you snuck in late. My name's Chris. I'm one of the communicators here at Beyond. And uh, I just want to start by uh, wishing every one of you a very Merry Christmas and a very Happy New Year from all of us at Beyond. We hope you had an awesome time spent with family and friends. We hope that the meat sweats didn't hit you too hard over that, uh, over that season. We know uh, that's one of the dangers of that time of the year. One of the, other, uh, one of the things I love about this time of the year is kind of that transition from, uh, from Christmas to New Year's. And I like that transition because on social media, everyone kind of gives you the highlights of their year. And so you get to look back and you get to think about, hey, what, what happened this year? And what could we possibly, uh, what could we do next year? Um, although I'll be 100% honest, if you're posting a status on Facebook and I have to click read more, I'm not reading more, okay? If the status is already two paragraphs and then Facebook says, would you optionally like to read? No, I'm not going to do that. Um, but I do like to see the people who, no, who post nice, concise reviews of their year. I love to read it. Uh, and I love to read what, when they uh, talk about their resolutions for the year. I re it really excites me to see what people are doing, what people are planning, what they're thinking about for the year ahead. Uh, and the reason is because I am just, I am like a goal planner. Like having goals, like I just love it, okay? But one of the problems with that um, uh, is, is that I'm married and, and uh, my wife is an absolute legend and, uh, and I love being married. But one of the things they don't tell you about being a goal setter is that when you get married, uh, when you were single, you just had one set of eyes looking at your life. Just had one set of eyes and you were just evaluating and you were making goals based on what you wanted to do. But when you get married, your, your list of goals doubles because all of a sudden you've got two sets of eyes looking at your life and making comments. And if you're a goal setter and someone makes a comment about the way the dishes looked or the way that your clothes were, all of a sudden you've got to have a goal around that. Well, I'm going to have a goal and there's going to be no clothes on the ground forever. There's going to be no dirty dishes left in the sink ever. Like you have to have goals. And I remember when we were first married, one of the things that I used to do all the time that I just thought was completely normal was... Uh, was eat fast food a couple of times a week, okay? And, uh, and I'm a creature of habit, so I go to the same place and I order the same thing every single time because who wants to deviate when you know it's good, right? And so I would go to Macca's and I would get a large double quarter pounder meal uh, with a double cheeseburger on the side, you know, just to be safe. I didn't want to not be hungry. And, uh, and I would do this, you know, sometimes three to four times a week and, uh, and I just thought it was normal. But then I get married and, uh, and, and Emma sees like all the Macca's cups when she comes home and she's like, one day she makes a comment to me. She's like, are you sure all that fast food's like good for you? And so I did, you know, what most guys do, uh, or what I do anyway, I don't want to generalize for most guys, what I do anyway, when Emma tells me something that I don't want to hear and I know that I should do something about it, I know I should address it, I just forgot about it, okay? And instead what I started doing was taking my Macca's rubbish and putting it in the bin outside. I was like, if she can't see it, it's all good, right? If she can't see it, she won't worry about it. But eventually, you know, Emma like saw the rubbish in the bin and she's like, we need to talk about this. And the thing is, right, is that I genuinely wanted, I genuinely knew, right, I should probably, we should probably back up on the fast food thing a little bit. I genuinely knew it's not good to pump your body with that much sugar at one hit. Like, it's, it's not good at all. And here's the thing is that I wanted to experience a fresh start. Like, I wanted, I looked at it and I was like, you know what, I genuinely want that. But at the same time, I wanted to hold on to some, some old habits. I was like, nah, you know what, I want to be fit. I want to feel healthier, but I also want to consume my large double quarter pounder and my double cheeseburger four times a week if I would like to choose. Perhaps more on Sundays, you know, like, you know, I wanted to hold on to old habits. And, and whether, you're a, whether you're like me and you love the New Year's time and you love setting goals, or whether, whether you're one of those people who's like, yeah, it's not really my thing. Goals are not really my thing. In fact, you, you don't really like this New Year's period because you know that by the end of February, pretty much halfway through January, so in a couple of days, 
people are already going to have broken their resolutions. They're not even going to remember what their resolutions are. So you kind of got disenchanted. You're kind of like, nah, I'm over the New Year's thing. Regardless of where you fall in there or whether you fall somewhere in the middle, the truth is that there will come a point in our lives when we need a fresh start. And maybe some of you have experienced that. Maybe some of you, 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 uh, you started that career and all of a sudden you woke up one morning and you just thought to yourself, you know what, this is not what I want to be doing for the rest of my life. And you, you realize in that moment, you know, I, I need a fresh start. Maybe for some of you over this Christmas period, you're looking at your bank account and you're thinking, you know, like if, retire, if, if, if we have some of the goals that we want to uh, go on some holidays this year or if we want to retire one day and, and live in the areas that we want to live, like we need to start putting a plan in place. We need to start saving. We need to start like looking at our superannuation and, and you, you look at that and you go, we need a fresh start in the area of our finances. Maybe you've been at a point in your life, maybe where your kids have got their driver's license and all of a sudden you've got a whole lot of free time on your hands now. And all of a sudden, with all the free time on your hands because the kids are out and they're driving themselves now, you sit across the dinner table from your spouse and you, you think to yourself, you know what, I don't, I don't really know you the way I used to know you. And you think to yourself, we together, we need a fresh start. We need to, we need to reconnect. And this is kind of what we're going to be looking at for the next couple of weeks as we launch this series, Fresh Start. If you're brand new with us here, the way we do things at Beyond is we'll take an idea and we'll kind of camp out on it for a number of weeks. We'll put a fancy logo on it. Our, our, our communications, our marketing team are incredible. They make this cool, fancy-looking logo and, uh, and we'll give it a name and then we'll talk about it for a couple of weeks. And our goal with this series is really simple, is we want to help, help you make a fresh start that changes your life. And I need to make a distinction at the, at the start. This is not like a motivational self-help series, okay? If you want to rip all the Jesus out, you could probably do that, yeah? But so many of us, the reason this is not like a, a self-help series like every other New Year's resolution person who's on Instagram or social media telling you to crush your goals is because we actually want this to help you change your life. And what research from the University of Scranton has discovered is that 92% of New Year resolutions fail, which means the majority of people who start out setting goals and everyone's telling you, hey, this is the way to do it, do it this way, they fail. Which is terrible news for us, right? Because not only have the University of Scranton found this out, but they've, uh, other researchers, including the University of Scranton, have discovered that if you it doesn't matter whether it's the 1st of January or the 1st of February or at any other arbitrary date in the year, depending on who you look at, 80 to 90% of people never achieve the fresh start they want. 80% of people say, I need a fresh start and I never get it. So 8% of people. And you can say, I'll be one of the 8 percenters, but, but the odds are not in your favor in this case. And we have to acknowledge the fact that we're just not really great at fresh starts, right? Or what we're doing is not working. What we've been doing hasn't been working because it's got a 92% fail rate. And so throughout this series, we want to look at it and we want to explore this idea of how we can have a fresh start that actually changes our lives this year. And this, I think, is the reason why it doesn't happen for us. You know, I, I was thinking to myself as, <coughs> excuse me, as I was getting ready, I was like, why, what is it about the fresh starts in my life that haven't worked? What is it about the fresh starts in my life that haven't succeeded to the level that I wish they would have? And then I started to think, you know, because I, I have the absolute privilege 
of journeying with, with people here at Beyond. And people come to me and people talk to me about when they're struggling with things or when they want a fresh start. And, uh, and I have the opportunity to speak into their lives. It really is a privilege. But, but what I've discovered in my own life and what I've seen in the lives of other people when I chat to them is we want a fresh start while holding on to old habits. You know, we say to ourselves, you know, I want to get fit. But I also want to binge eat fast food five nights a week. This year, I want to prioritize spending more time with my family. Family is so important, but you still want to work till 7 p.m. every night. You still want to be on your emails when you get home. We say things like, you know what, I, I want to put a financial plan in place. We want to go on a holiday this year. We want to have some maybe more money to give away to charity. But you don't do anything about your online shopping habit. We say to ourselves, hey, I want a better marriage. I want the best marriage. I want to improve my marriage. But then you don't have a date night. You look at your week or your month and there is no time carved out for the two of you. And so we want a fresh start. And we say, hey, this is what the future could hold. But we say, but I want to smuggle in all these old habits with me. And I want this fresh start by holding on to all the stuff that has held me back or is, is a habit that's not going to help me achieve that. And, uh, and really what happens is we get to a point whoops, where, where we, we want this fresh start and we're holding on to these old habits. And we, we get to this tension point. We get to this point where either it's not working or it's not working the way we want it to work and we bump up against this or where an old habit starts to creep in and prevents us from stepping into the fresh start we want and we have to embrace and rub up and answer this tension. How do we embrace a fresh start that lasts? How do we ensure that we don't become part of the 92%? How do we actually get rid of some old habits? How do we embrace the new? And we're going to look at this throughout this entire series but just to kind of lead us into this discussion today i want to look at a, a fresh start that occurred and i want to look at this fresh start through the lens of uh, w someone who's i think is a fantastic place to start for looking at fresh starts in this new year is jesus's best mate some of you probably didn't know but jesus had a best mate okay jesus had a group of 12 guys that he hung out with primarily um, we like to call them the dirty dozen here at beyond because they were not if you were going to start a revolution if you're going to start a movement that, uh, that went spread all across the world, you would not have picked the 12 dudes that Jesus picked. But Jesus picked these 12 dudes. Of the 12, there was kind of three that he was pretty tight with, and of the three, there was one dude that was his like, best mate. Uh, and his name was John. So John knew everything about Jesus. John knew, Je John knew Jesus' uh, favorite footy team. John knew the way Jesus liked his coffee. John knew where Jesus got his designer sandals from. Okay, John knew everything there was to know about Jesus because they were best mates. And, and John... <coughs> excuse me, one of the great things about John is that John got to see G the Jesus in public, but John also got to see Jesus in private. And John saw that the way that Jesus acted in, pu in pr public and the way that he acted in private, and he was like, there is no difference. And after Jesus died on the cross, John said that, that, the, experience that I, the experiences that I have had are too good to keep to myself. And so John began to write these down, and he, we actually uh, have... John, the experiences that John had with Jesus in a, in a book that John titled John, uh, it's, it's a, a biographical account of Jesus' life. And we're going to look at one particular instance today, one encounter of someone getting a fresh start, but there was kind of some old habits that could have held them back. Uh, and it starts, we're, not, we're only going to look at one sentence of this entire thing today. We're going to look at one sentence, but I need to kind of give you a little bit of backstory so we know all know how we got to this one sentence. Uh, because Jesus and his boys are walking through the streets of Jerusalem. So think Middle East, it's hot. 
Uh, and they're walking through the street somewhere in Jerusalem. We're not sure what street. All we know is they were on a street. And they see a blind man. And this wasn't really uncommon, right, in that, in that day and age, because what would happen is if you were, uh, if you were blind or if you uh, had a, maybe a skin disease like leprosy or you, you had some kind of disability, which meant that you could not work, what happened was your family and your friends would take you every single day and they would place you at prominent places throughout the city or throughout the region, so in high traffic areas, so that people who would, walking, uh, would walk past would be able to give money to you. So the family and friends help these individuals beg. And so one day Jesus and his boys, they're walking through uh, Jerusalem and they see a blind man begging. And one of Jesus' boys asks him a question. And the question leads Jesus to give this blind man a fresh start in the most incredible way. Because what happens is Jesus, <coughs> in response to this question, walks over to the blind man. He kneels down and he spits in the dirt. And then he takes his spit and he puts it over the left and right eyes of this blind man. And he says to him, he says, hey, what I want you to do now is I want, to, I want you to make your way to this pool. It was a pool that everyone knew. It was called the Pool of Siloam. And I want you to wash in it. Now, imagine you're the blind man, right? You're sitting there. You're sitting where you sit every single day. You can't see anything. Maybe you've heard about Jesus. Maybe you haven't. We don't know. <clears throat> but all of a sudden, you kind of hear this little bit of a commotion. And you hear someone maybe ask a question. And then you hear this name Jesus being spoken, and then you hear this, and you think like, what? He's very close to me. He's not spitting on me. He's not going to do what I, what I think he's about to do. Is he really? And then you feel the pace over your eyes. You're like, ah, oh, dang it. He spat in the mud and put it on my eyes. And then, and then this Jesus guy, who, you, who maybe you don't know, maybe you don't know, goes, hey, what I want you to do is I want you to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. And this guy probably was thinking to himself, well, I've got to go wash there anyway now because you've spat and rubbed it all over my eyes. And so this guy makes his way to the Pool of Siloam. And I, this, is, this is a modern-day picture of the Pool of Siloam. Because remember, this was around about 2,000 years ago. And so <clears throat> at the point in time that, that Jesus asked this guy to go to this particular pool, it would have been a lot larger. There was a freshwater spring running into it. People would have used it for ceremonial baths or ceremonial washing or bathing in general. Um, but what happened over time is a church was built over the top of this pool and then the church kind of collapsed. So this is what we're left with today, to give you a bit of a visual. But this man goes, he thinks, well, what have I got to lose? There's muck in my eyes, I've got to get clean anyway, I'll go to the pool and I'll, and I'll uh, have a wash. And as he's washing in the pool, he splashes the water onto his face. And for the first time in his life, his eyes open and light floods in. And the world begins to take shape around him and he sees the blue of the sky. He sees the stones that make up the buildings around him for the very first time. He sees the red dirt on the ground. And he runs. He runs straight back to his friends, straight back to his family, because he wants to tell them the news. And all his friends and all his family are like, well, how did this happen? He's like, well, I don't really know. Like, some dude, Jesus kind of heard, I wasn't really paying a lot of attention. I was trying to get money and uh, put some mud on my eyes, and then I jumped in a pool, and all of a sudden I can see again. And Jesus wasn't anywhere around, and <clears throat> what ended up happening was a couple of days later, this word got to some of the religious leaders, known as the Pharisees. And these religious leaders kind of wanted to hear the story about how this guy could go from being blind to seeing, and so they asked for his friends and family to come in, and so this guy um, <clears throat> comes in front of the Pharisees. And you know what these religious leaders do? They disqualify his fresh start on a technicality. 
you can read all about it if you want in, in John 9 and John 10, but they disqualify it on a technicality. They say, ah, it's not, it's not a real fresh start because you don't deserve it. And more than that, this guy, Jesus, we don't really think he's, he should be going out giving people fresh starts. We don't, we don't really think he's worthy to be giving people fresh starts. And so this blind man goes away. And I don't, I don't know how you would feel, but if I, I would be so confused. I'd be like, well, one guy, I was blind and now I see. Like that, that's kind of a, the fresh start that I was after. And now I've got these Pharisees telling me I can't have a fresh start. So what should I do? Should I just close my eyes and feel like, what am, I, what am I supposed to do? And Jesus hears about this. And Jesus goes up and approaches this man, <coughs> and somehow some Pharisees end up being involved in this conversation. We don't know how, but chances are they probably followed the blind man because they thought maybe he'll lead us to Jesus and we can have it out with him. And so Jesus sees this, this blind man, and he sees his family and friends, and he sees these Pharisees, and he begins to tell a story. And the moral of the story is essentially that the Pharisees were blind, that the religious leaders of that day who tried to disqualify this guy in a technicality from a fresh start were blind. But then he steps out of the story and he looks at everyone in the circle and he says one sentence and it's the sentence that we're going to look at today because it's so important for us to grasp this if we're to to embrace a fresh start. Because this is what he says. Jesus says, I have come. This This is big stuff, right? Because this is Jesus saying, this is why I'm here. This is why I stepped into history. You know, everyone's been talking about this Jesus, Jesus, Jesus guy, but this is the reason that I've come. You ready for why he came? I have come that they may have life. Notice what he doesn't say. I have come so that they may follow a whole bunch of rules and be miserable their entire lives. I have come so they can feel judged all the time. I have come so that they can go through life feeling like they can never escape their past. No, Jesus says, I've come that they may have life. And this word that he uses for life means more than a physical life. It means emotional life. It means spiritual life. It means your relational life. It means financial life. Jesus is saying is, I have come so that you may have life in its entirety, all the aspects and all the facets that make up life. I have come so you may have that. And I get, I totally understand that there are some of you probably here tonight, uh, sorry, today, this morning, and you're sitting there and you're looking at that and you're like, well pretty good life like life is pretty good for me right now like okay jesus might offer me life but you know everyone's offering the latest and greatest mo- uh, fads on how i can get more out why do i want jesus's life and the people in that circle were probably asking the same question hey jesus we got a pretty comfortable life like we got a job we got a family you know we're, we're, we're set up why should we want your life and what jesus says next explains why he says i have come so that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. What he's saying is, if you think life is so good that, you, that it could not possibly get any better, Jesus says, I've come so that you can have more of it. And if you're at a point in your life right now where 2019 is looking bleak and you think like, oh man, like uh, because of the decisions I've made or because of some mistakes I've made, like that this is all that life is. Life is just going to leave me here working this nine to five. Life is just going to leave me here in these circumstances. Jesus goes, no, 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 no. I've come so that you can have more. There is more in store. This is what Jesus is saying to everyone. He's saying, you were created for more. That you were created for more. The life you have, it might be greater. It might not be what you want it to be, but you were actually created to experience more life. And I want to 
I want to talk really quickly right now to the followers of Jesus in the room, and then I want to really talk really quickly to people who are kind of like, yeah, you know, maybe you're not sure about the whole Jesus thing, or maybe you push back against the Jesus thing, because we need to kind of clarify what Jesus is saying, right? Because if you're a follower of Jesus in this room, chances are your natural inclination is to kind of go, yep, I've heard that so many times. You know, I've come to you, may have life, and you may have more life. Awesome. And you, I'll come back for parts two, three, and four, Chris, right? Because this one doesn't really apply to me. This is kind of the intro version, right? And you're just tempted to walk out this door and, and leave it. But here's the problem with that. Here's the problem why, because fo- I talk to followers, so many followers of Jesus, and they tell me things like, Chris, you know, like, I just don't really feel like I'm really connected to God right now. I don't really feel like God is present in my life, you know. I, d- I don't really feel like I've got, like, community around me. And I, I just feel like this disconnect from God. And I'll ask him questions like, well, do you talk to God? Oh, no, but I just don't feel connected. Do you pray to God? Oh, no. Are you around other people in community? Ah, oh, no. And here's the problem with so many of us who are followers of Jesus is that you think like followers of Jesus, but you don't live like a Jesus follower. We've, we've boiled Christianity down, and we've boiled following Jesus down to this point that we think, hey, if I can just think, if I can just know the answer, if I can know that I should forgive my neighbor, and I can even quote a Bible verse about it, show how smart I am, if I, if I can know the, way, if I, know the way that I should treat people who don't share my views and values, that's good enough. If I should know the way that I should be investing into my mat, well, that's good enough. I can think like a follower of Jesus all day. But here's the thing. You can't follow Jesus just because you think like Jesus. You have to live like a Jesus follower. Because the characteristic of someone who follows any teacher is that they actually follow their teachings. And it seems like Christians seem to think like we can just think like Jesus followers but not live like Jesus followers as long as we have all the answers. And this might be harsh, but here's a newsflash. If that was anyone else in the world, we would call them a liar. Because you can't say that you're a follower of someone unless you actually follow them. And I know that might sound harsh, but I I say that deliberately harshly so that you'll understand the, the power in what Jesus is saying. Because when you just miss, when you take this live part out, what happens is others miss out others miss out because other people look in on your life and they go well it's not that much different from mine in fact it it almost seems worse than mine because it's exactly the same life as mine but they have to give up an hour of their week on a sunday to go to church i don't want to do that they they have to give up some of their time to serve and their life is the same as mine. why would i want to do that they give up some of their money to give to other people And other people look in on your life and they just go, well, it's not any different to mine. Why would I want any of that? And so others miss out. And here's here's something just as bad, is that you miss out. You miss out. Because if you really believe that God stepped into history, that he gave his life for you on a cross, and then he says, I want you to have more life because you were created for more I created you for more. Why would you not want to live that out? Why would you not want to experience that more right now? See, that when you miss out, when you don't step into that abundant life that Jesus is calling you to. And if you're not a follower of Jesus in the room and you're like, oh, geez, what's he going to say to us? Don't worry. Don't worry. The Christians get the harsh treatment, right? Because we're on the same page. But if you're in this room and you're just trying to make sense of, of this whole Jesus thing and you're just trying to put it together, 
here's what I want to challenge you is that I totally understand that maybe the reason you push back against Jesus is because you've looked in on his followers. That you've looked in on the way that maybe a follower of Jesus has treated you or the way that the, the church has interacted with you and so you've walked away. And today, what I want to do is I just want to peel all those experiences that you've had back and I just want to say, just look at what Jesus says. Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. Because if someone walked up to you in the street, right? If someone walked up to you and said, hey, I've got a way that you can experience a better marriage, that you can experience better control of your finances, that you can experience better relationships in your workplace, that you can experience less regrets about the past, and it's free. All it'll cost you is a little bit of time. Would you at the very least not want to lean in? Would you at the very least want to lean in and say, I'm at least curious so if you're not a follower of jesus i just i just want to challenge you stick around for this series stick around and see what jesus has to say and see what we're going to explore around this more of this more uh, more of life but the thing is true for all of us whether you're a follower of jesus or not that embracing a fresh start it requires you to leave the old behind The blind man had to leave behind the only life that he had ever known and step into something brand new. And if you want to experience a fresh start, then you, too, need to leave the old behind. And so before we go, I want to give you one small, tiny little piece of homework. Uh, We always kind of give uh, some kind of application here at Beyond. We call it our Four Mondays, really, because we we want you to to, uh, experience, we want your life to be better. And we want the lives of the people that you interact with on a daily basis to be better because you spent time with us. And so this week's Four Monday is super, super simple. It's simply this. What do you need to leave behind in order to embrace your fresh start? When you look at the year ahead, what do you need to leave behind? For some of you, it it might be a relationship that you need to leave behind. For some of you, It might be the fact, you know, you need to leave behind, like literally, physically, you need to leave your phone in the car because you cannot trust yourself that when you're around the dinner table with your family that you won't pull it out and check email. So some of you need to leave, physically leave that behind. Others of you, maybe maybe you need to begin to discover how to leave behind the lack of priorities that you have in your life. And you just say, you know what, if my family is my priority, then I need to stop prioritizing work. I need to leave that behind. Whatever it is, this week, all I want you to do is ask this question. Say, what do you need to leave behind in order to embrace your fresh start? And then come back next week, because next week we are going to talk about the number one thing. The number one thing that prevents every single person from embracing their fresh start. We're going to talk about the number one thing that kills a fresh start before it even has a chance to begin. So I'd love to pray, and then I'd love to invite the band back up as well. Jesus, sometimes it's, it's really difficult to step into that fresh start because we want to hold on to those old habits. And it seems so easy and it seems so comfortable to hold on to those old habits even though we know they're preventing us from experiencing that fresh start that we want. Lord, I pray that over the coming weeks that people would 
take a stock of their life. Just take, just take a couple of minutes to think, you know, what really needs to be left behind? Because until we discover what we need to leave behind, we cannot step into the abundance that you are calling us into. And Lord, we know that some of the things that we may have to leave behind, we don't want to leave behind. But we know that, uh, that what you're calling us to is more. So Lord, I just pray that if people are unsure about what they've got to leave behind, that they would trust you. That they would trust that the more you're calling them to is so much more than they could have ever imagined before. And it will be worth leaving whatever it is they want to hang on to behind. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.